Welcome to the Littler Workplace Policy Institute podcast. Insider briefings on the latest legislative and regulatory developments affecting employers. Hello, I'm Corinne Jackson, an attorney with Littler Mendelssohn's Workplace Policy Institute, or WPI. And I'm Bruce Sarche, a Littler shareholder in Sacramento, California, and also a member of the WPI. We hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season and that your year is off to a great start. 2018 will surely be another interesting year in employment law, both in California and elsewhere. No doubt about it. And it really feels like change is in the air. The momentum of the Me Too movement doesn't seem to be slowing, for example. Very true. From Me Too to Time's Up, the lingering problem of sexual harassment and sexual misconduct continues to dominate our headlines. Of course, sexual harassment has been unlawful for decades. But these social media trends and high-profile allegations have really drawn attention to the scope of the issue. And as we head into the new year, this heightened awareness does not look like a temporary episode. Rather, we are starting to see some long-term ramifications of this movement. You mean other than efforts to support victims as they speak up? Exactly. In addition to efforts to educate employees and promote more transparent, harassment-free workplaces, legislators at both the state and federal levels are paying attention. But what approaches can lawmakers take? As I said, sexual misconduct and sexual harassment are already illegal. Correct. State and federal law have prohibited such conduct for decades. So lawmakers are searching for new, perhaps less direct ways to beef up existing anti-discrimination laws. Yes, it seems their thinking is, how can the law try to address this problem when this harassing conduct is already illegal? Well, that rationale begs the question of whether additional laws are truly necessary or useful. But that aside, what sort of supplemental approaches have they come up with so far? Well, Corinne, there are a couple of approaches in the works, but the most prominent is a multi-pronged attack on non-disclosure agreements. Non-disclosure agreements, or NDAs, are provisions in a contract, like an employment or settlement agreement, where a person agrees not to publicly discuss a matter with anyone in exchange for compensation. That's right. Opponents of these NDAs argue that in the settlement context, These clauses prevent workplace harassment victims from going public with their accusations, and this in turn enables harassers and limits transparency. But businesses use NDAs all the time and for a variety of legitimate business reasons. So what might change? Well, the first change has already taken effect. You might not have tuned into this podcast expecting to hear about income taxes, but that's where we're going. The issue of NDAs in settlement agreements involving sexual harassment claims is directly addressed in the recently enacted federal tax law overhaul. By way of background, the U.S. tax code generally allows businesses to deduct certain ordinary and necessary expenses that are part of running a business. Under the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, however, that business deduction is eliminated for any settlement or payment related to sexual harassment or sexual abuse if such settlement or payment is subject to a non-disclosure agreement. This new law may fundamentally change how employers approach and evaluate settlement agreements. 
I agree. Uh, when preparing to settle a covered dispute, businesses are going to have to decide whether to include a non-disclosure provision and whether it's worth losing the tax deduction to do so. Losing the deduction may matter less, for example, to a business that is already showing a loss for the year. A good point. In addition, employers will have to decide how to handle situations where they are resolving multiple claims. Ah, yes, because the tax changes affect only those settlements for sexual harassment or sexual misconduct. Employers might also wish to emphasize other types of contract provisions in lieu of a non-disclosure agreement. Inserting a non-admissions clause, for example, formalizes the employer's position that the agreement is not an acknowledgment of any guilt or liability. Along the same lines, non-disparagement clauses may also be useful. Non-disparagement clauses would allow the claimant, employee, to discuss the settlement, but would prohibit him or her from disparaging the employer. There is presumably some gray area with these options, but for better or worse, employers are going to have to think outside the box from here on out when settling claims involving sexual harassment or sexual misconduct. That is very true. Now, before we move on to other legislative trends, employers should also be aware of another tax issue. Yeesh, Bruce, did the tax bill throw another wrench into the works? You know it. A second change is potentially relevant to sexual harassment claims and concerns the deductibility of penalties. Penalties? Well, under the old tax code, penalties paid to an individual as a result of litigation were deductible, right? Right. For example, if an employer had to pay waiting time penalties under the California Labor Code or even punitive damages, those amounts were deductible. On the other hand, penalties payable directly to the government were not deductible. Correct. However, the new tax law further limits this penalty deduction. Under the new law, there can be no deduction for any penalty paid at the direction of the government whether the amount is paid to an individual or to the government itself. Which leaves employers wondering, what does at the direction of the government even mean? For example, is any penalty award that stems from litigation authorized by the EEOC in a right to sue letter considered at the direction of the government? We wish we knew. It is unclear how broadly that phrase should or will be interpreted. We anticipate that the IRS will issue some guidance on that point in the near future. Yes, and we are hopeful for some direction from the IRS on all of these changes. Are lawmakers considering other legislative options outside the tax realm? Yes, they are indeed looking at this situation from various different angles. Well, what types of bills are in the works beyond these tax issues? Thus far, we're seeing a series of proposals that would invalidate these non-disclosure agreements that we talked about earlier in sexual harassment disputes. So employers could insert them in a settlement package, but they would be unenforceable? Basically, yes. From what we've seen, these proposals are popping up primarily at the state level, right? Right. The California Senate, for example, introduced a bill in early January that alters the treatment of non-disclosure or confidentiality agreements. That bill, SB 820, would prohibit non-disclosure provisions in settlement agreements involving claims of sexual harassment or sex discrimination. 
Generally speaking, this measure would apply for any lawsuit where the pleading set out a cause of action for sexual assault, sexual harassment, workplace discrimination based on sex, or sex discrimination in housing. Would there be any exceptions under the new law? Well, the bill as proposed would permit including a non-disclosure term in a settlement agreement if requested by the claimant employee. In addition, the parties could enforce a non-disclosure agreement that protects the amount paid in settlement of a claim. Accordingly, the actual dollar amount could still be kept secret. The bill also provides that, unless authorized by the employee, an agreement preventing the disclosure of factual information entered into on or after January 1, 2019, is void as a matter of public policy. Now, we anticipate that SB 820 will be referred to a Senate committee in February for analysis. Employers in the Golden State should keep their ears pricked for progress on this particular bill. Now, what about employers in other locations? I imagine this approach could catch on in other states. You are quite right. Similar types of bills have already been proposed in at least three other states, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. And arbitration agreements may also come under fire. Those agreements have long been criticized by opponents because they move dispute resolution into a private forum. You are right about that, Corinne. California law already discourages reliance on arbitration agreements to some extent, and I would not be surprised if other states try to rein in employer use of these agreements as well. The governor of New York, for example, recently announced a plan to introduce a bill on this very issue. And at the federal level, a bipartisan arbitration-related bill is currently pending in both the House and the Senate. Yes, the bill is called the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Harassment Act, and it would materially amend the Federal Arbitration Act, which generally instructs courts to respect arbitration clauses. This bill would invalidate any pre-dispute arbitration agreements that require arbitration of sexual discrimination or harassment claims recognized under Title VII. This would be a huge change, Bruce. So... What to do? In light of the increased scrutiny on non-disclosure and arbitration agreements, some employers are considering changing their own practices voluntarily. And that's an interesting point. As these issues play out in the public eye and in legislatures, employers will have to consider carefully how they want to respond. There may be significant public or employee relations reasons for taking action internally rather than waiting to see what changes lawmakers might force upon them. Absolutely. Employers should give some thought now as to how they can best handle these developments, weighing the pros and cons for their own organizations. In the meantime, we will continue to monitor important legislative developments, and we will report back on any notable progress. And as you might assume, we do look forward to working with our clients on navigating these issues in the coming year. Thanks to all of you for listening. Stay tuned to Littler's Workplace Policy Institute for further updates and information regarding state and local workplace regulatory and legislative developments. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. 
to discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice. Visit littler.com slash podcasts.